Welcome to another episode of Tech Writer Voices. My name is Tom Johnson, and I'm delivering this intro from Utah, my new home, where it's almost snowing. The presentation today is from Hugh McClune, a usability researcher at Microsoft, and he actually delivered this presentation to the Puget Sound, which is in Seattle, Sig Chi chapter or group. SIGCHI stands for Special Interest Group for Computer-Human Interaction. And this is something that Heidi Hansen sent to me. So she had attended this and and obtained the recording. And uh, it's about 30 minutes long, and Hugh talks about the ergonomic keyboard. Now, the ergonomic keyboard, if you are unaware of what it is, is one of those keyboards that bends in the middle, and you you rest your, your fingers more... Uh, naturally on it. Um, He's going to talk about how they came up with this shape and design, the usability testing behind it, everything from science to user feedback and testing. Before we play the presentation, I do have a brief announcement from our sponsor. Yes, we now have a sponsor for our podcast. And Lunar Pages is our web host. That That is the sponsor. Lunar Pages provides web hosting for individuals, businesses. Uh, They have all kinds of plans. We used them for three years, for the last three years, with the Suncoast chapter and never had any trouble. I think that they are one of the better web hosts around, um, not only for just performance and economics, but especially if you're thinking about getting into blogging and you want your own site, you want a WordPress blog, which is the only way to go, um, that you can customize or some, if you want a wiki that you can, that you can create kind of like media wiki, which is what Wikipedia runs off of. You need a web host and for six ninety five a month, you can totally have, have a good host. Um, I, we use them obviously for, for this tech writer voices podcast and they have a good plan. They, they have great bandwidth and a lot of space you have one-click installs for WordPress. Um, you have PHP 5 for MediaWiki. And all kinds of other scripts that you can install. Joomla and um, oh, there's lots of things. Uh, they do have a commercial that I will play. It's Star Trekky, so it's kind of funny. Mr. Scott, I can't get any more information onto our website. I'm doing the best that I can, Captain. There's no more room on the server. It's going to blow. Evaluation, Mr. Spock. The logical answer is Lunar Pages. Reputation, reliability, and legendary 24-7 support makes Lunar Pages the host to cling on to. Did you say cling on? Aye, Captain. Sign up at LunarPages.com and get $700 off coffee cup software absolutely free. If you call, they will answer. Lunar Pages it is. Beam us aboard, Mr. Scott. For out-of-this-world web hosting, Lunar Rocks. Sign up for web hosting with LunarPages.com. If you want to find out more about them, go to LunarPages.com. If you have feedback on this presentation, you can send it to Heidi Hansen. I'll put her email on the post, the show notes, or you can send it to me, Tom, at TechWriterVoices.com. 
As always, the podcast site is at www.techwritervoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the feed and recommend it to others. All right, enjoy the presentation. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here this evening. Uh, thanks for having me. And Mr. Um, I worked at Apple. Well, I'm actually, uh, my bachelor's is in anatomy, so I'm kind of one of the rare biology majors at Microsoft. Uh, and my master's is in public health and occupational health. And um, so it's a little different uh, path to getting, doing what I'm doing than uh, perhaps many. So, um, um, so most I've been, uh, my 11 years at Microsoft, most of my time was in hardware. About eight and a half years in hardware on keyboards, mice, trackballs, all sorts of miscellaneous. That's how I shipped so many products there. And then uh, nearly two years at Xbox 360, uh, shipping that, uh, helping ship that that uh, product, and working on the next <coughs> versions of, of interaction devices for what I call Xbox 720. <laughs> and then uh, the last year I've been working in uh, notebooks and tablets in the mobile space on the the tween. I call it the tweener space between smartphones, PDAs, and desktops. So um, this work was done pretty much entirely in, in the hardware group um, during the time I spent there. And uh, I don't actually, can you hear me all? Because I actually don't like to stand behind the podiums. It just, you know, it makes me, just don't like staying there. So what I'm going to describe this evening is uh, two basic research studies that, that I uh, sponsored with partners outside of the uh, Microsoft. And then um, I ran two iterative design studies at Microsoft in, in 2004. And then we partnered again with the University of Washington to do an evaluative study of the design. Um, and a few stories in between of what happened along the way. And uh, as you can see, it took place over the course of, of nearly a decade. It started in 96, 97, uh, 98, uh, and then concluded pretty much in 2004, 2005. So it's, it's actually been a fairly long process to get where we are today. And um, some of the things, I actually have a separate talk on design leadership and usability, user research leadership. It's like two, two dozen different themes of, of leadership there. And some of the things I'm going to talk about today resonate particularly well with some of the themes, in particular having a long-term research plan to influence product designs. Because we often get sucked into the immediate product development process, and you tend to focus a lot of your energies on that, and rightly so. But I found it was helpful to actually create a separate long-term research plan that was independent of the product uh, development cycle that then would create information that then would be inserted at the right time. So that's one of the themes. Um, the other is to sponsor research to this question of fundamental knowledge, and in particular question first principles. Because we tend to have kind of tunnel vision about what we know and don't think we don't know, and sometimes it helps to go back and question those things, and so you'll see that as a, as a theme. Um, success is possible working on the next version of existing products. Um, Today, Microsoft makes dozens of mice and dozens of keyboards, and they're continuing to do so. And just because something is shipped once doesn't mean it can't be approved and, and such. So it is possible to have success working on the next versions. And sometimes teams pretend they're making the unmouse or the unkeyboard just to mentally get past that obstacle that they're working on yet another version of a mouse or a keyboard or such. And that uh, ingenuity, hard work, and creativity can lead to success. And I have a motto to be patiently persistent not to give up, not to let things go. Even if things don't go time-wise or it takes longer than you expect, not give up. So, like I mentioned, my background is in physiology and anatomy and um, ergonomics and human factors. And um, 
my focus has at times been on upper extremity musculoskeletal disorders like carpal tunnel syndrome and tendonitis and tenosynovitis <laughs> and such. And so we, we have a list of risk factors for these health disorders that you can kind of imagine you could pick, you know, a la carte menu of what you want to focus on. Let's reduce awkward posture. Let's reduce static loads. Let's reduce forces applied and things like that. So these are some of the things that we might pick from um, to, uh, to focus on. And the natural keyboard focuses in particular on awkward postures. Um, this particular one also focuses on reaches. And um, <coughs> other efforts might focus on reducing repetition and um, reducing lows and things like that. Um, thankfully, we don't have cold temperatures very much in the office, but uh, or vibration. So, um, in particular, for the, nat the natural keyboard of mice, it focuses on on the wrist postures. So, I just want to give you a little, little education there. So, there's basically um, flexion extension is the bending the wrists up and down. So, flexion and extension, um, ulnar deviations towards the little fingers, and the radials towards the thumbs, and then uh, pronation supination. So, turning your hands palm down. With pronation and supination, palm up, and um, so those are the kind of the, the focus uh, on the wrist. And so the first, the first uh, natural keyboard, uh, in fact, the very first keyboard Microsoft shipped was back in 1994. That's when the first natural keyboard shipped. And then I started work here in 1990, January 96. And I worked on the Microsoft Natural Keyboard Elite, and that basically has the same geometry as the original one, with. Um, an eight degree tent angle to try and reduce this pronation, palm down, okay? And then there's a 12 degree split on each side to reduce ulnar deviation, so go from this to this. And then um, it was actually one of the first keyboards that had a flat zero position. Most keyboards at that time had a positive slope condition, trying to reduce extension. So instead of um, having your wrist bend back, it would be more straight and flat. And then the built-in palm rests also tended to reduce extension by keeping the, the wrists, uh, the palms up. So you see pictures there. I didn't bring in those products uh, tonight, and I, and I wish I did, but because uh, they're, they're, it does look different between this and the old and the um, and the old one. So any, any for you, feel free to ask questions as we go along. Um, so this is just a marketing photo that shows a top view of how. The original natural keyboard was designed trying to reduce ulnar deviation um, in terms of bending the uh, the hands towards the little finger, little finger in an awkward way. And um, the original natural keyboard was based on published university research at the time. So Etienne Grandjean, um, Carl Cromer, and others in these labs had built up these alternative keyboard devices and uh, tested them out. And Microsoft at the time went and reviewed the literature and created a product that pretty much matched. Though that public information. And so the, uh, the geometry of the original natural keyboard is not patented. So you'll find other manufacturers make <coughs> equivalent geometry uh, in exactly the same fashion. So it's not any intellectual property that Microsoft owns. Okay, and I, I again, I wish I had some pictures to show uh, of, the, of the stuff that they had done, but it's pretty similar to the original uh, keyboard. So over the years, um, the original natural keyboard has been shown in studies to be a benefit. So it's been shown to uh, be a treatment mechanism. Pat Titrananda at UC Berkeley gave out the natural keyboard and compared with two people with hand pain and wrist pain, and they got better. They had better uh, functionality in their hands and uh, less pain than the control group who got just a straight uh, conventional keyboard. And it's recently been shown to be a prevention device. 
So uh, Steve uh, Moore and Naomi Swanson at NIOSH and uh, Texas A&M um, gave out the natural keyboard to a few hundred people and a straight keyboard uh, to another few hundred people and tracked them over a couple of years. And the people that got the natural keyboard were less likely to develop symptoms of hand pain and carpal tunnel syndrome than the people that got the straight keyboard. And this has been theoretically possible because of the changes in wrist posture. So the natural keyboard has been shown to change the wrist posture, less pronation, less ulnar deviation, less extension than a conventional keyboard. And then uh, Helmut Strasser in, the, in Germany found that it also reduced muscle loads on the shoulder and other parts of the body um, uh, between, again, the natural keyboard geometry and a conventional keyboard. So, um, so I started, I was hired in January of, uh, <coughs> of 90, 96. So 11, year, 11 years ago this month. And uh, so um, basically I, I come in fresh and, and green and I'm like, should this geometry, is this geometry correct? Is, can, there's, can it be changed or is there directions to change? And, and both for around the basic ergonomics as well as to allow for other, other technological changes in terms of, <coughs> um, well, I'll, I'll show you in a minute what I mean by that. Um, again, just to repeat, so the focus was on awkward and constrained postures, and um, so my goal is to reduce reaches as well as improve postures while using the mouse and to allow for new technologies. So um, Dr. David Rempel at, at uh, UC Berkeley, um, and then Joel Bach was a postdoc there. I partnered with them to do a alter, what I call an alternative geometry study where we have uh, here actually a... Um, this is an old Apple split keyboard. Apple used to make a split keyboard that, it's, that folded in and out. I don't know if you'll remember that. And we uh, cut it in half and put it on two floating arms so we could put the halves in any configuration we wanted and uh, track the posture. So we, we tested a, a conventional straight keyboard. MNK stands for the original Microsoft Natural Keyboard. Um, there was a gap in the original Natural Keyboard. I'm going to go back to the picture. And, um, uh, does anyone know why that gap is there? Any bit of trivia? So the original design had a trackball in the middle of it, and they decided to take it out at the last minute, and they left the gap. So that's a little bit of history there. So I, I wanted to get rid of that gap. It was like, why is there a big space in the middle? So I, the, the split, I narrowed it, and then um, I looked at making the split steeper at 30 degrees. Maybe I should. So there's 30 degrees that makes the split open more. Because imagine if you have a gap like this, and then you bring it closer together, then this angle actually increases, right? If it's out here, it's straight, zero. It gets steeper, steeper, steeper. It's all, it's all logic here. Sorry, I'm having, there we go. Then I made it further apart. So I wanted to add a space where I could do something in the middle of it. And then the last one here is um, 12 degree gable. So I made it steeper. So from eight to 12 degrees, okay? So those are the different conditions. And I'm giving you a lot of detail, because I think most of you do this kind of, you might be interested in some of these details, so I, I did this. And so um, <clears throat> the net-net results was I asked people to rank over the preference of the six designs. And the, um, the conventional keyboard uh, came in first, um, so ranked one, one, one to uh, six, so, so lower number is better. And then tie was the steeper gable, the 12-degree gable. And then it kind of drops off after that. So people actually, it seems like they wanted it steeper. We didn't quite go far enough. There's three things in my work that I always measure. Performance, comfort, and desirability. So you can see here we got some, uh, some posture measurements related to comfort, <coughs> but we'll always measure performance, comfort, and desirability. 
And so the kinesis one, I would suggest you read about the performance associated with that keyboard. Um, this keyboard will go back, you'll eventually go back to 100% of typing, and the published research on that, I believe, is not 100%. So, performance comes desirability. Yes? Why did people move away from the split keyboard, you know, the wider separation? I mean, it, would re it requires giving up a kind of a monolithic board structure, but it seems like you just don't want to have your hands squished together like this. They really want to be out here and separated. Um, so, in particular, I guess would be the mouse position. I, I want to be as compact as possible and try to get the mouse as close because people use the mouse quite a bit. Um, the other is that other research not associated with keyboards around fine motor tasks <coughs> suggests the hands work better when they're close together for fine motor tasks as opposed to being further apart. Like if you try and do knitting or other um, painting or drawing, typically we work in an envelope here rather than having the hands apart. Yeah, but ergonomically that envelope forces you to contract your upper chest this way and maintain it in a constant state of tension. Right. I, um, I haven't tested anything that far. I know there's keyboards that are split in half that were there on the arms of the chair. Okay. And I, I, don't, I don't know how well those do. Okay, so what, so what happened was, we, if you remember back here, um, the 12-degree gable looked promising, right? And so um, we decided to make a model of it. And this is actually a model of it from 1998. We built a 12-degree gable model. Our band, the model shop, built this up. And um, Carl Ledbetter and I said, it's just too big. It looks fat. It was just huge. And so... And this is still in archives at Microsoft. I pulled it out for this picture, and and it, it just we just said we weren't even going to show it to anyone. It just looked too unapproachable. All right, <laughs> wasn't going to fit in the keyboard tray. It just it just too unapproachable. So basically, though, in my mind, I was like, how do I get this thing to work where I can actually present this 12 degree gable that people seem to like? And I tend to like to sit in the hot tub. I tend to get my ideas in the shower or the hot tub when I'm thinking about problems. It's not when I'm at work. So I was trying to think about this. So I did uh, change the next keyboard that came out, the Natural Keyboard Pro, and I made the halves closer together. I was able to, to do that, um, to reduce that, and it made the keyboard more centered, at least the QWERTY section centered in front of the person. The mouse could get closer, um, and it saved space. The footprint was smaller. Okay, but still the same geometry is pretty much pretty much the same. Okay. So the next basic research question I had was the current keyboard, and I'll show a picture of this in a second, is the keys are dished front to back. They're rows and they're stepped a dish, and I'll show a picture of that. Do the these surfaces match the angle that the fingers strike the keys? With the hypothesis that the keys, the fingers should be the, the keys should be surface should be perpendicular to the finger strike angle for a <coughs> For a smooth, even, low force action, does that make sense? And uh, so, um, so here's a picture from ISO 9241, basically sort of showing this dished uh, question: and do we hit straight down? Do we hit from the side uh, or from the top? What just what is it? And so, um, again, I partnered with Dave Rempel and Alan Barr at uh, UC Berkeley, and um, we put a sensor on the finger, which you see in the upper left portion of the, of the picture. And then there was the keyboard, the table was cut out, and there's actually sensors uh, placed on each key. So as the key was depressed, 
that key match would go with that angle of that finger. And the sensor was moved from finger to finger to finger. Okay? And there was these little uh, cameras, these infrared cameras that would, uh, these three there, and there's three at the bottom here, would track these sensors and then the, the finger as it hits the key. So a fairly tedious process, but worthwhile. These theta angles were presented, and this is uh, some of the data from preliminary data, and um, I actually still don't have the final data. But basically, in, in general, the key, in the center part of the keyboard, and this was on a natural keyboard, people tend to hit straight up and down, but on the periphery, they tend to hit with a glancing blow. The numbers, the values are bigger on the periphery. So they tend to hit with a glancing blow, okay? And then for me, when I was doing work, I would watch people on the motion capture system as they hit the backspace, it was this really complex reach. And you tend to use backspace a lot. It was down and away. And I had this personal pet peeve of how far away it was. And that led to, um, oops, I'll go back. That led to the inspiration for how I could change the keyboard. If you're following along, you've, you might have figured it out how you might change the keyboard based on this information. So this is back in 02 and 03. So I, I figured out how I wanted to change the keyboard. But Microsoft's hardware was shipping all these different products, and it, and it was inappropriate for me to introduce the idea at that time. So I had to wait a year. So I did this on purpose, because if I presented this concept then, and it was, it was uh, dismissed because they're already shipping a fingerprint reader on the keyboard, and they're doing all this other work, it would have been poison pill, right? They would have said, oh, you, you presented this a year ago, and we didn't do it. And, I was like, I didn't want that. And so I knew they didn't have the bandwidth to do it at all, and so I deliberately waited a year. <coughs> themes of, themes of uh, remember I mentioned the two dozen themes of leadership? The one is to use the voice of the user to help make decisions. So I was like, I'm gonna let the voice of the user make a decision. So I started, and I was totally open about it. I basically worked with a product planner, industrial uh, designer, and I wanted to improve uh, the uh, pronation, less pronation, I wanted to improve the amount of wrist extension, and so I looked at a steeper gable. I looked at a taller palm rest, so trying to reduce extension, and I looked at a negative slope as well as a zero and positive slope. Because at the time, no one made a truly negative slope keyboard. Again, trying to reduce extension if, uh, if the keyboard's position right. And then I wanted to design keys that match the finger strike angles in this kind of gold wing design, which you see here, and to reduce the reach for the backspace key which is my pet peeve. And I, I also wanted no one to copy it. I actually deliberately wanted to make something that no one could just copy it and, and say, say, uh, say otherwise. Um, so that may sound a little too business-like, but that's how I felt about it. Um, so we did three studies. Um, and so this is the first of two iterative studies. And the third one I talk about is a fully functional prototype. So this um, was back in 04. Uh, yeah, actually three, three years ago this month I started. So the first study, I, I partnered with Melissa Jacobson at 5678 Design. She's a, a vendor, a former Microsoft employees. We, uh, we built different uh, non-functional solid block models, which I'll show you a picture of, in nine different geometries and key presentations. Had three different slopes, zero, positive, and negative, and five different palm rest heights. Brought in, I recruited 15 people and 13 people showed up, adults. Um, they all used ergonomic keyboards, but some of them used a straight keyboard, and so we had to change that for the next round of work. And this is what the models look like. They're just solid block. Keys are just glued on to a solid block, 
And um, the, the, uh, the current geometry is 8 degrees. We had 10 and 12 uh, degree angles. And then we had models that flattened and thinned. So the keys on the periphery, <coughs> I'll show you on the final design, the keys fla uh, um, flatten where the keys go on the periphery go down to the surface of the other keys to the, to the right. And then thinning, they actually come in. So instead, they actually come in this way, towards the person. And we had separated that, that out in the first study where some thin and some did both uh, to determine if there was a difference. Um, let's see, so basically on the gable angle, again, people like the steeper gable angle. Hey, it happened before at UC Berkeley, like years before, and this study too. The number, this is just rank order preference, first, second, third. Seven out of 13 people said they liked the 12 degree. All of them found the, the uh, acceptability was high for all three conditions, and um, it's pretty cool, okay? They like the ones that thin and flatten, and um, they just appreciate the keys turned up and in. I'm not gonna spend time on that. And then we built a model where we put the feet on the front and the back. So you can do zero and positive, all right? And um, here it was a third, a third, a third. So one third wanted flat, one third wanted positive, and one third wanted negative. And again, pretty much all were acceptable, except positive was kind of marginally acceptable across the participants. And then the palm rest height, we built this fixture where you can put in these different palm rest heights from um, zero to an inch, inch tall. And we tested that. And basically, people cried uncle after about seven, or after about 14 millimeters, the one inch one was just too, too high. And so we actually stopped the one inch one after the first person, we basically cried uncle here, and um, we basically stopped, stopped, uh, stopped there. Because you couldn't hit the space bar with the one inch one, and it was just really weird. Okay? So again, people like the steeper gable angle. The keys turned up and in, was positive. Negative slope was okay. And we could, we could slightly increase the palm rest, and then uh, we, we actually tried a bunch of different padded palm rest materials, which I'm not telling you about. They like, they like the padded palm rest. Okay, so study number two. Again, <coughs> so again, they're like 12. But did we go far enough? Did we push it more vertical? Um, we tried an initial 14, 16, and 18 degrees. And then we did an interim 10 millimeter palm rest height. Again, 13 out of 15 people showed up, all adults, and they all used a natural keyboard as a primary keyboard. Again, very similar models. In fact, some of the same models plus the new ones were these solid block models. And um, here, people cried uncle, okay? So the most popular um, angle was uh, 14 degrees in terms of rank order preference as well as acceptability. And then it diminished towards each side. So we got back down towards the eight degree, which is the current design. And then at 18, uh, people didn't appreciate, 18 was too steep. So the models that represented the new Microsoft Natural Ground Keyword were, people got it. People said, hey, I can reach the keys, they're closer. Uh, the, feet, the fingers feel, when you try this out, the fingers tend to fall right where they belong. And I could visually see, see the line, the keys in line. And so the, the one through 13 is the participant number. And then, you know, one person for the original design said, that, well, it matches the contour fingers. So out of, out of the study, <coughs> 22 out of 23 people wanted a a new design over the benchmark current design. If you've ever done this, you've all done, many of you have done usability research, you forget 23 out of, 22 out of 23 people to agree 
to do something over another thing doesn't happen very often. Does not happen very often. Okay. Um, so that was a very. So this is when I went and said, um, I think there's an opportunity here to uh, change the current keyboard, and um, and so it kept going. So the palm rest height again. We uh, we tried different heights, and um, here we found that we could go up to t 10 millimeters, a centimeter taller. Then people would appreciate many people would appreciate that, and certainly find it acceptable. So the current design is actually plus seven millimeters taller to reduce wrist extension. So again, the more preferred than the benchmark, 12 and 14 are, are preferred over the over the extremes. We went with 14. <coughs> we can go up to 10 millimeters, but not 14 millimeters. And we built a total of 22 models for the, these two studies. So then um, we start to get into CAD work, and we actually start making because was it performance, comfort, and desirability. So we actually since we built a fully functional prototype. We built individual keys and built a prototype to test performance, and we actually had people use it for five, ten minutes to get at performance aspects. Granted, not long enough to say whether they get hand paint or not hand paint. So we did. I worked with uh, Pete Johnson at the University of Washington and one of his um, uh, lab personnel, and um, built a fully functional unit. Uh, we tested different polymorph heights, <coughs> different slopes, zero, uh, positive, and negative against benchmarks and then we also did some other other keyboards and again it happened to be 30 13 people again i don't know why his lucky number 13 keeps coming up basically adults touch typists um, and they're all natural keyboard users and they came in in, in the end of 04 and um, i'm just going to go through these quickly the different conditions so um, put goniometers on the on the wrist um, to measure flexion extension and pronation uh, supination as well as ulnar deviation and that's actually i should go back so that, that's the actual prototype there, this black, this black um, keyboard. And then we compare it to a straight keyboard. And then this comfort curve is also one I worked on. If you see that, if you're kind of, the comfort curve was designed to move people from a straight to a natural, but it's in between just kind of this gentle smile curve. Um, and then a benchmark natural keyboard. And um, oh, this is actually a prototype. This is just some top views. I did a, did a typing task for speed and accuracy. Um, we got uh, subjective comfort measures with a Likert, uh, not a Likert, but an analog, analog uh, log normal scale kind of thing. So we got a separate presentation on this, but just in summary, 10 of the 13 people preferred the 14 degree, 14 degree cable design. So here we even had the comfort curve designs, some other designs, so it's very positive direction. It did reduce pronation by five degrees. The cable did not have a, uh, an observed effect on people's subjective impressions of comfort during the study. For the slope, again, it was a third, a third, a third. A third people wanted negative, a third wanted zero, a third wanted positive. So we're still going along that way. The negative slope did reduce wrist extension, and but it slightly increased ulnar deviation. By ch I think it was by chance the negative slope had the fastest typing speed, the highest accuracy, and um, again, the reduced extension but was ranked lowest in terms of comfort uh, scores. The wrist rest height um, was still worth pursuing. People uh, found it okay. They were actually given a choice between seven millimeters or 10. And eight, oh, eight of 13 preferred either one of those two conditions over the zero condition. Um, again, it, it reduced wrist extension to have a taller palm rest. The 10 millimeter ha happened to have the fast typing speed and best accuracy. A little detail there. 
So again, 10 of 13 people preferred the, uh, the natural ergonomic keyboard 4000 prototype. And so, so basically, this is still positive. We spent a lot of money, a lot of time to get this right, and uh, it's still positive direction. So the, end, the kind of the end result is this product here. It's been out a year, and it has the same split angle. So we, we talked about the gable and the, um, and, the, and the slope, but I did not touch the 12 degrees on either side, so that's the same, 24 total. It has a zoom slider here in the center, which was on the uh, left side of previous products. Uh, back and forward buttons. So where are they? Oh, they're in the front center instead of being on the left side. My favorites keys, the hand dance function keys, hot keys, and things uh, pretty much um, in a padded home. So it has a lot of things carried forward from other products. So this is it. This has been out a year, and um, it shipped yeah, in the fall of 2005. Um, just a little more background, this is what's happened since then. In 2005, in the fall, there was more than a dozen products that hardware shipped, and this product got 60% of the press uh, coverage. Uh, so that's kind of nice. The reviews have been, have been positive. It's um, the sales better exceeded plan. In fact, at the time, they're having trouble keeping it on the store shelves. That's kind of good to hear. Um, it's been the number one selling wired keyboard in the US since the beginning of last year. So uh, there are wireless keyboards that outsell it, but uh, for wire keyboards, this particular uh, SKU is the number one selling in the U.S. Something that, that was mentioned anecdotally, um, colleagues I find um, who people originally gave up on the original natural keyboard have tried this uh, design and are, are, are willing to try it again. So even though it's designed as an evolution of the natural keyboard, it's it's uh, the fingers tend to fall in a. In a, in a Kind of, you know, our hands are kind of not, our fingers are not the same length, and they tend to fall right better in place, and so they're willing to try it again. Dan O'Neill did the initial design for this, and he and I have a, this is actually a larger presentation that he and I, he had given an industrial design <coughs> section. I was attempted to include some of it, but it's his, so I did not. But he spent a lot of time looking at the aesthetic, and uh, there's separate, whole, like what I showed you here, a uh, whole bunch of folks groups took place around the world. There was a whole bunch of aesthetic exploration. Um, they looked at, again, the zoom slider in the backboard in the front. There's a whole bunch of other research that occurred after this stuff to make this thing real. I'll stay a little later if you have any other questions. And